What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad, where we talk about the post-Jazz game and all things sports. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry the Dad. Spencer, an incredible night for the Utah Jazz. It's Sunday, the 23rd of October, and they win in overtime. They've played two overtime games out of three this season. They've won them both, both on the road. So we had a Friday night overtime win against Minnesota, and just now, a few minutes ago, finished another overtime victory against the New Orleans Pelicans, 122 to 121. Would you have thunk that the Jazz would be 3-0 and to start the season? Definitely not. I would have been happy if we had won. I don't even think I would have thought we would have won any of these games. Maybe, maybe I thought we would have got lucky against the Pelicans, but I also think the Pelicans are a great team, and, and so I, I'm surprised that we were so dominant again tonight. It's um, it, it was kind of an all one-sided game until the end of the fourth quarter or towards the middle of the fourth quarter. But that just shows the caliber of team that we might actually have. Would you have thought this? Would you have seen this coming? No, I, I have to agree with you. Denver, I just don't see it. Jokic, Minnesota on the road, young team against kind of a veteran team there. Don't see it. And I didn't see it tonight because – Pelicans are 2-0. and That's their home opener. A lot of excitement in the building. Two things. You said the word dominant. We were. If you watch this game, we were up 17, 102 to 85, with about eight minutes left in the game, yeah. maybe even less. And we just went stone cold. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that. So it's number one. Number two, I think it's important for fans to know Brandon Ingram left the game fairly early. He got hit in the nose by a teammate with and has concussion-like symptoms. So that hurt the Pelicans. And then Jordan Clarkson made the block of the season. Yeah. If the Jazz don't get credit for playing for playing Zion really well tonight, all he had a lot of points. Man, Jordan Clarkson's block, that's more of a highlight than anything you'll see from Zion's tonight. And then he landed, Zion landed on his backside, and he was out of the game. But it still left C.J. McCollum, who is a superstar, who brought him back. And the Pelicans just hit big shots. But the Jazz weathered the storm again and won. It was crazy that we're up 3-0. and played, We played three really good teams. I think every team in the NBA is good this year. But, yeah, definitely top, top-tier top teams that are going to most likely be in the Western Conference or, yeah, the Western Conference playoffs. Um to to go on your point with with um the the problem at the end of the fourth quarter it looked like we shot one for 16 with the last like eight minutes to go and so that really put us in a bad situation to um to yeah you're right not to catch up yeah but the interesting thing about that is it didn't phase us it's crazy i was like oh wow we're missing a lot of shots oh my gosh we're missing a lot of shots Last year as a fan, I would have said, what are you guys doing? This year, it's like they were really trying. They had open shots. They just went a little cold, and their defense wasn't bad. McCollum just was a playmaker and hit big shots, but keep going. Yeah, and I think um, it, it was interesting because we kind of went to Clarkson at the end of the game. He looked like he was our – because it really just came down to a battle between C.J. McCollum and Clarkson because obviously they were just going to C.J., and he was – lights out and there was no reason for them to make any changes and then we tried to counter that with our star in Clarkson what would you say with that because I thought we really made headways when it was Markinen who got the ball and and made plays 
but we still kept Clarkson in. Yeah, I think some of that is Spencer Clarkson stayed in the game. And and what I mean by that is he had flow going, whether it was good or bad. And Markkinen came off the bench and he sat for a while. I wish I could go back and look at this game a little bit. Markkinen sat for a long time and then came in uh, about the eight-minute mark of the fourth. And Clarkson and he just did didn't, as well. He, what's that? And Clarkson kind of came in at the same time as well. Yeah, but I think Clarkson had played – I mean, look at the – I don't know the stats shoot. But I, Clarkson played more minutes and he was more in the flow, and I think that's why they stayed with him. Um, but Markkinen, albeit he was a little cold down the stretch, he had this, the, the play of the game when we basically threw the ball away down one right. and Markkinen races to the half-court line, saves it, and then Clarkson hits an unbelievable three that really saved us uh, – in the last moments of that game. So man, just uh, here's what's interesting. And I had a lot of little notes for tonight. The athleticism of our team is right. so fun to watch. And we can talk about Bogdanovich. You can talk about Royce O'Neal, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell. We didn't have athletes. I, I, I'm not dissing the past players. Quite frankly, I wish we would have run it back, but Man, the athleticism that we have, and Malik Beasley didn't necessarily have a good night tonight, but Jared Vanderbilt, just really hustle athletes all over the place. And Spencer, before I get it, you've said it on previous podcasts, and maybe if you haven't, you've said it in text. We have a lineup that can bring the ball up, everyone. Tonight, Walker Kessler got a rebound and dribbled the ball up, and it actually looked like he knew what he was doing. Rudy just didn't have that ability. And I don't know if there were a few others on our team that didn't have that ability last year. It just goes to show the athleticism of this team. Definitely. I, I think that goes to show. And Kessler had a great block on Zion Williamson as well, which yes, is pretty crazy. And that shows that each, I mean, everybody's stepping up. Everybody's eager and everyone's kind of getting in there to kind of paint the end of the, the, the game. It was, I want to highlight our defensive efforts when they were inbounding the ball after timeout to take the lead um, we were only up by one point at the time and we defended well enough for them to have to use their timeout and that was pretty effective even though they scored after the timeout was taken to stop from the turnover with the five seconds they burned their last timeout and then when we scored with three seconds left of the game to go up by one they couldn't call a timeout and advance the ball and get a better shot so I thought that was a big takeaway from the last few moments yeah good good observation that almost was a five second call and uh they, they almost hiccup there but you're right and then you know mccollum hit the amazing running shot i i mean gotta give the guy credit if the pelicans win i mean the kid basically hit a great shot to win the game i'm glad we had time to come back when you said defense spencer i immediately went to the box score here and did you realize we had 13 steals that's a lot of steals yeah maybe i need to start tracking steals but that's a lot of steals. Jared Vanderbilt had four steals. And even though maybe, I guess he had 15 points, again, he got in foul trouble. Somehow we've got to keep Vanderbilt on the floor. But he had four steals tonight and just so happy for him. Maybe we go to something that you and I commented on and I made a comment. Our point guard play tonight, rough. Mm. Conley was three of 12. Sexton was two of 10. That's five of 22. That's not going to get it done. I'm surprised we weathered the storm and won. 
I wasn't overly happy with either one of those guys on the floor tonight. Conley was not great, but he hit a big three. So True. same way he fouled Rudy the other night that actually was kind of won the game, his smart play there. So you got to keep Conley on the floor, I think, for his because of his knowledge. But neither one of those guards played well tonight. Yeah, it, it, that was definitely a, a hard part. I, I mean, Sexton was just kind of – didn't really seem like he was able to catch the rhythm of the game very well. And I guess they I, – New Orleans, I don't know. Like, they didn't really play well, number one. I think that's the reason why we also had a better chance. I think you're right. Winning. They played well for 10 minutes and it basically almost won the game in those 10 minutes. Yeah, so we got – we got I wouldn't say lucky in that sense, but they just weren't playing well. But we st- and we took, But we did take advantage of that, and we played pretty well. And they kind of have a little bit – I don't know if they have a bigger lineup, but um, they they definitely have players on the team that can um, take out our point guard and, and, and host up and stuff like that. Yep. So that was that was definitely tough. And then I do like the play call at the end of the game to put us with the go-ahead bucket to win by Olenek. I thought Hardy did a great job of organizing our players and, and – and keeping them on the court when we were going kind of cold and, and taking out the ones that were not good so that we could have um, confidence in ourselves. And, but the last play at the end, what were your thoughts? I liked, I liked the play drop and, and to go to a Linux there. Yeah. Good call. Few things. It's, it's easy to be upbeat on these, on these podcasts, three and oh, gotta give it to Will Hardy. The kid has coached well, not a lot of panic. He's kept him in the games. He's made the right calls, bringing people in, leaving people on the bench. And you're right. He called a smart timeout in that overtime and ran a fairly good play that had a lot of options to it. Olenek was not the option here. He just ended up being the one with the ball in his hands. He couldn't do much with it other than drive and and lay it in. So you got to give him credit. I will say this, and I think I sent it during the game as a text to you. I was surprised at the end of regulation we didn't call a timeout. Right. There was about 12 seconds left, and I thought, wow, we're just going to let this run. And Clarkson had an okay look and almost made it. But, but you wonder if you go back to regulation, you wonder if Hardy learned something there that made him call it timeout in the overtime, which I'm I'm glad he did. So, um, uh, you got listen, kudos all the way around to this Jazz team to be 3-0. and And uh, I love Quinn Snyder. I really, again, I'll say it for the second time in this podcast, I wouldn't have minded us running it back again because we had such great players and having Quinn coach it again. But if you're going to lose all those guys and you're going to lose your coach, boy, we fell right into um, a great young coach so far and some good players. Yeah, what other notes did you kind of have there? Uh I, I thought you said it a minute ago, I thought our defense was well. Interestingly enough, we shot 47, uh, 43% tonight, and the Pelicans outshot us 47%. We shot 34% from three, and they I shot. We went cold. We went very cold at the end. I think we were shooting very well until the last six minutes where we or eight minutes where we shot like one for 15. I did notice yeah, that good call. we basically had the same amount of turnovers as the Pelicans. We had about 14, so did they. Yes, we had they. Sorry, we had sixteen turnovers. They had seventeen. You're right. So I mean, obviously, you never want to turn the ball over, but you do definitely want to keep it around twelve or under, or even less. But that kind of shows not how. I mean, I think the Pelicans kind of dug themselves in the hole, and then they did their best to get themselves out of it. 
Yeah, they did. They played 10 minutes of really great basketball without Brandon Ingram and without um, Zion Wilson. But I, I didn't feel like Zion hurt us. He, he Maybe he would have if he stayed in the game. He had 25 points, but it wasn't like a loud 25 points. It was kind of like within the flow of the game. Uh, you asked me if there's anything up. Lori Markinen had 31 tonight, 12 rebounds. I mean, he wasn't perfect down the stretch, but he was good throughout the game. I early on three three games in. You asked this question on the last podcast. What about the All Star game? Lori Markinen deserves a look at the All Star at the All Star game right now. Right now, if he keeps this up. He is our all-star. Another player in Vanderbilt, I just hope he can stay out of foul trouble, but he is such a hustle player for us. It's hard to say I hope he stays out of foul trouble because I hope he doesn't change what he's doing, if that makes sense. Because I don't want to be yeah. like, oh, by the way, you need to stay out of foul trouble, and then he stops being as aggressive as he is. Because we almost need that yep. aggressiveness. We just got to figure out maybe minutes or something. I don't know, but I, I almost don't want to mess with it and, and get into his head. And then yeah, with- yeah. With um, um, Markin had the free throws at the end of the game that kind of put us ahead to yep. uh, as well. Uh, I had one other thing. While you're thinking about that, our free throw shooting's been very good this season. And what's ironic about last Friday night's win, which we haven't covered against Minnesota, Conley fouls Rudy crucial time of the game Rudy misses both free throws and we go down and win the game I don't know Walker Kessler's not great and I don't think he's going to go to the line that much he might not get the minutes but other than that we have a very good free throw shooting team um it you know it's interesting how we're finishing games with the players on the court Colin Sexton didn't get a lot of minutes tonight again his stat line was not great but man, that it, it, Mike wasn't great. I think we just need to figure out if those guys can start to play a touch better. It's crazy for me to say we're going to be even better than than we are. So I don't know if you remember what you're going to say. I think we should swing around the league a little bit because there's some fun things happening in the West and in the East that we can, can kind of pair, compare the Jazz to. Yeah, I guess we can. Did you want to go to? something specific because like we the lakers fell to oh and three we can talk about that yeah, yeah i think i think we go good good point i think we go to standings we'll start in the west the jazz three you know the trailblazers like you just said about the lakers the trailblazers beat the lakers today it was a very good game um damian lillard just did what he does but that makes the lakers oh and three all right oh and three do you hit the panic button if you're the lakers spence well, I would have hit the panic button. Or I, I just never, I, I figured they were going to be bad. I mean, they, they are shooting atrociously from the three point line, not making any shots to the point where LeBron is pulling up from like the logo and airballing, and even Anthony Davis is hitting the side of the backboard on corner threes. It, they are just breaking every shot. They kind of lost this game against the Trailblazers. You could put this one on Russell Westbrook when they were up by one with 30 seconds left and about eight seconds left on the shot clock, he just went and took a shot and bricked it. You don't do that. You kind of got to take a little bit more time off the clock. And, and But he didn't didn't make a good basketball IQ move. And the Lakers just don't seem like a good team. So maybe you are just panicked, but what, what else could they do? Who else is going to want the players they have? I wouldn't want pretty much anybody from the Lakers. Yeah, so, so 
Good observation on Russell Westbrook. He was four of 15 tonight, 26% from the field. O of three for three, played 27 minutes. Not like he's playing 35 minutes. Now here's the deal. LeBron James and Anthony Davis, LeBron had 31, Anthony Davis had 22. Their shooting was okay. They both shot over 50%, except LeBron from the three was two of nine. Those guys are probably playing the way they should. Listen, LeBron James at the age he is and the way he's playing, good heavens. It, amazing. It, his athleticism, the dunks he's doing, defense he's playing, you got to give him credit. But when the team around you is not doing much, and quite frankly, who do they have? Lonnie Walker from San Antonio, good player, not great. Pat Beverly, you're going to get a hustle, but are you going to get great play? Russ is just, oh, I just feel bad. This is a guy who averaged a triple-double for like two years in a row. And then the Austin Reeves, Toscano Anderson, Kendrick Nunn. These are just not names that are going to get it done for the Lakers. I do see them actually playing better this season and winning some games, but there is no way this team puts the fear in anybody. Yeah, you talk about minutes and – and um, you mentioned Russell Westbrook doesn't play many minutes. I wanted to just take that back to the Jazz because we complained a little bit last year that Mitchell was only playing, I think he only played like 30 minutes a game or 32 minutes a game. And you were always saying we should have our all-star or our best players playing around 35 minutes, but it didn't seem like Quinn liked that. It looks like Markin is playing around 34 minutes a game. Do you see that kind of same pattern with, with Hardy that we have just such a depth in the bench where we can – have multiple players come in and, and delude the minutes or do you hope to see a specific player? With yeah. Great question. Man. Two things there. I was listening to David Locke on lockdown jazz and he made a comment that you don't really need to make. If you're following this, the jazz bench is really good. The jazz bench is really good. We've gone to the bench tonight, maybe a little shaky, but when we go to the bench, we have good bench players. And so that's going to dictate the minutes. I'm not so sure that's the way it was last year. You could go two deep, three deep. This year you can go five deep. We actually went six tonight and brought in Fontecchio. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two, I think different than Quinn. Quinn just had substitution patterns. Hardy is going with who's playing well. It's It's interesting. He sticks with people who are playing well and – it's interesting he didn't bring Markinen off the bench earlier, but maybe he saw something he, he that was different. And another thing tonight, Spencer, we're on a back-to-back. -back. We play again tomorrow night in Houston, so you don't know what he's thinking minutes-wise. I can't imagine that creeps into his mind too much, but I think he's the type of coach that's going to go with, hey, these guys are playing well. I'll let them continue to play. There's no Rudy Gobert on the team, or there's no Donovan Mitchell on the team that if you sit them, they're like, well, wait a minute, I'm a superstar. Everybody on this team is like, hey, if so-and-so is playing well, leave him on the leave him on the court. And I think that's going to dictate playing time. I think that answers your question as well with the point guard situation where both Sexton and Conley weren't playing great. And I think uh Hardy just saw, listen, we both are we have two of our point guards that are struggling. I'm just gonna go with the veteran in this one, even though he's not playing well, but neither is Sexton. So I think that's why he chose Conley is if both point guards are struggling, then his answer is I will go with a veteran who is more comfortable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, good point. So, so what do you see around the league? So Portland and Lakers So Portland's now three and O tied with us. Crazy. Clippers are two and O there. They're looking to go three and O later tonight. 
Um, if you go to the East, the Celtics are three and zero, and the Milwaukee Bucks are two and zero. Tonight, Donovan Mitchell, exceptional game. He had thirty seven tonight in a win for Cleveland against uh, the the Washington Wizards in Washington. Two undefeated teams, and um, actually Cleveland wasn't, but Cleveland ends up winning that one. And Donovan had a great game. Uh, Darius Garland is out with an eye laceration. Don't know how much longer. I got to go read up how long he'll be out for the Cavaliers. So Donovan went to work tonight and played really, really well. So Boston looks good. Um, that team's no fluke. They went to the NBA Finals last year. Looks like they could be another Finals team out of the East. But watching the Milwaukee Bucks over the weekend, um, Giannis is just a killer. Man, when he gets into the lane and can have those long strides and just dunk, his wingspan, his athleticism, really, really good. So the Bucks will be uh, good again this year. So those are some of my thoughts. Um, so later on tonight, as I made mention, the Clippers will try to go three and zero. Let's just see. I are the think... Warriors three and zero or two and zero at least? Let's see. I think the Warriors lost. They got beat by the Nuggets. The Nuggets went into Denver after losing to us and won. So the Nuggets are two and one. We beat. The teams we beat, Minnesota's one and one. I think they're playing right now. Here's the deal. Tomorrow night we play the Rockets, and then we see the Rockets again on Wednesday night. This is going to be really interesting for us. Do we go out and beat three good teams and then lose to a marginal team in the Rockets? Or could we be doing a podcast later this week and be 5-0? and oh? Can we handle the Rockets on their floor and then back at ours? It's going to be interesting. Each game that we play, you're you're going to say, how good is our team? We're now going to go play a team that's not very good. Do we get up for them? Do we hustle? And do we play as well as we've been playing? Is it home or is it away? Uh, it's a home at home, which means we're in Houston tomorrow night. We stay on the road. Um, and then they come to our place uh, and we're at home on Wednesday night. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting because I feel like each time over the last three games that we've sat down to watch the game, I've just been prepared myself to see us. Um, <laughs> almost get wiped away but I that's just a pessimistic look and we talked about it early that before the season that Houston was going to be one of the few teams we'd beat so hopefully we're not 100% <laughs> wrong where we beat the teams that we thought we'd lose and lose the teams we thought we'd beat yeah you know I didn't get a chance you were watching Friday night against Minnesota which was fun for us to see Rudy go player play and he, he just realized just what a great player he is we were down in that game on the road in Minnesota. And I think that was the time where you go, well, opening night was fun. This is right. reality. And then we come all the way back and win that game. So, and then tonight we kind of stave off, we go cold, we stave off and come back by the Pelicans and win. Um, so fascinating to see what is happening with this team. And, and, and are we for real or will we just run out of gas here? What are your thoughts? Can this be sustained? And are we really what we're seeing here? We're definitely going to make the radar a little bit more if the more we win. And that's going to make other teams a little bit more eager for the hunt. Because you talked about a lot last season that we were hunted by every team because people wanted to beat us because we just came off of the best record in the league the year before. And then other teams wanted to make a point and show that we weren't all that. Um, and so we don't really have that hunted kind of characteristic about us where teams <laughs> are going – to Utah or we're going to them and they want us to lose. We're kind of just another game to them and then we end up winning. But I think the more we win, the more of a hunted team will become. 
And it's interesting because you mentioned the Trailblazers were undefeated as well, and they didn't really seem like a team that would be in that position. But since they are, I don't know if it's a fluke for them, but there definitely are teams out there that are winning that shouldn't be. Yeah. For all the listeners here, I'm I'm not a Damian Lillard fan. Nor am I. Well, I like him as a person. But, I think he's a- but it's only – yeah. It's only – I actually am a fan to be – it's only because I don't think he was deserving to be in the top 75 players. Yeah, which I, I agree just don't. With. I just don't. And and that really has bothered me. Really bothered me to the point where I just don't like him. But he is a great player. He is not with a capital N, capital O, capital T, a top 75 player. There are others left off that list that deserved it much more in my mind than he did. But he is going to carry the Blazers. What I think is different between the Blazers and the Jazz, I cannot believe I'm saying this, is our bench is better. And we probably can absorb, you got to be careful, we can probably absorb an injury better than any other team. I just think we can. Marketing goes down, that's going to be a little tough. Others go down, we actually have a very good bench. I think on other teams, when their stars go down, they're in trouble. We don't have a superstar. So if our superstar goes down, we've got replacements that is like going to come in and play. That's my thought. I don't know how you feel about that. I agree. I, I mentioned this earlier too, when it may be a text to you that if we stay healthy, we're probably one of the better teams. And I think that yeah, shows that when other yeah. teams are having their stars or other players, because in Minnesota, another player went out early in the game. Mm-hmm. And so that messed up their, um, their substitution pattern and, and whatnot. So that's kind of how we had the advantage. What, right when he went out, I think we actually started to make a comeback. And then again tonight, Ingram went out early. And so we have taken advantage of other teams' um, their injuries. So it shows that just how vulnerable some teams are. I mean, you talk about how Zion went out and people are going to say, well, if Zion was in, I think it would have been a different story towards the end of the game. I almost disagree because I think you got exactly what you wanted out of just from CJ McCollum, if that makes sense. Like he gave you the perfect ending to a game and ending in general that I think if that's what, if you want Zion to be in, that's what you wanted Zion to do. And CJ McCollum did it anyway. Yeah. He, listen, it was coming. I think we've seen both nights where it's, we've gone into overtime. We're going, okay, here comes Minnesota. Here comes Carl Anthony Towns. Here comes Anthony Edwards, you know, we knew CJ was coming tonight. Um, again, I'm going to go back and I, and while Zion is just an incredible athlete and a big man to handle in the middle, his 25 points were not loud. And we just kind of stayed with it and did what we need to do. Hey, quick question on the Jazz. Do you like Clarkson starting this year? I do. I think it gives him a different kind of mindset as a player. And I think it's not... It's not what it was last year where he was just coming to start shooting. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit more, let me wrap my head around the game and kind of figure out what's going on before I start shooting. And rather than when he was coming in off the bench last season and would just, it wasn't, let's read the game. It was, let me start shooting. What do you think? I like like that he has the versatility to do it. I like that he doesn't, he's just a team player. I have no idea what the Jazz are going to do come the trade deadline because the thought was we'll just bump along until end of January and then go get the best value we can from 
Conley and Clarkson and Rudy Gay. Conley, Clarkson, and Gay have all contributed in some form in these first three games. But and maybe you do hang on to, to Clarkson. I think he's the one that has more years left on his contract than the other two do. Um, I also heard David Locke, who had a conversation with Colin Sexton's dad before the Denver game at home. Colin Sexton said, I couldn't be in a better situation than I am now learning from Mike Conley. And I wonder if the Jazz see the value of paying Conley the money to be the mentor or the steady hand. He hasn't shown me a ton of greatness to start the three games this year. Conley hasn't, but he's made big shots and he's made big plays. So maybe that's worth it to the Jazz. That's an interesting point for sure. I don't know. I like how you said earlier that Will Hardy will play who's playing well and he's not going to, he's not going to, like he, like Quinn did, just create a starting five and stick with them and then have substitutions come in almost mechanically. I think it's going to be maybe some players start now and then other players start later and they're going to mm-hmm. switch. And since we have that versatility coming from the bench, it might just produce a different team each night. And Will yeah, Hardy go- is just so adaptable. Going, exactly. Going back to the Clarkson question that I asked you and you asked me, the opening night game against Denver, Clarkson did not finish the game. Sexton and Conley did. Then the next night, Clarkson and and Conley did. And then tonight, Clarkson and Conley did. I think he will look at that guard line and possibly any matchup and just go with people down the stretch. I think Markinen's going to be in all the games to finish him. Um, Gosh, we could go on and on. We're up against the clock here and and, and can shut it down. But um, I'm I'm also pleased to watch Walker Kessler. When we watched Rudy Gobert eight years ago, Rudy was great but he couldn't hold the ball as, as well as Walker. I'm not saying Walker Kessler becomes Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert is the greatest defensive player I've seen for a long time. Great rebounder, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Walker Kessler. And uh, we haven't even seen Yudoke Azubuke yet. What do we do with him? There's so many questions about this team, but it's so fun to watch. I must have said 15 times tonight saying, man, this is so fun to watch. Definitely will be very interesting to see what Will Hardy decides. I do hope we win against Houston, so it's not like a situation where we also just lose to a bad team. So that's great. I need to watch tomorrow and and throughout the rest of the season. But I I hope the Jazz get a little bit more coverage. It's kind of a double edged sword because now we're on a little bit more radars and other teams are a little bit more concerned about us, which means they're going to play a little bit harder. But the Jazz definitely deserve some some national. Um, respect and some national coverage. Yeah, we just beat we just beat three good teams: Denver, Minnesota, New Orleans. You, if you look at the first five games of this year, Denver, Minnesota, New Orleans, lost, lost, lost. Houston, one win. Houston, one loss. We have a chance to finish the first five games five and zero. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. crazy. And I I know Chuck or um, Charles Barkley mentioned that he thought the Horn- the not the Hornets the Pelicans were going to be the team that would come out of the West and be the most surprising, which I I kind of agree. But Charles Barkley was basically saying that he thinks that the West will produce the the Pelicans in the maybe the top four, and so yeah, they're one of the best teams out there as well. And we beat them, regardless of the injuries that happened during the game. We beat them, and a win is a win in the NBA. Yeah, so hopefully it keeps going. All right, Spence, thank you. Great night for all Utah Jazz fans. And the NBA is electric, and we're only three games into the season.
exciting times. Thanks, Dad. All right. See you, Spencer. Thanks. Bye.